welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise Him. All right, have a seat. God bless you. Thank you, Musos. And Caleb, the drummer. And we must pray for Caleb because I say that without any gloating, the All Blacks lost this morning. And, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, he knows. You can see it on his face. He's all he, it's all he can think of. And so he, uh, he took a blow this morning. Uh, I see Linda is not in church, probably the first time in 25 years. Where is she? It's with the children. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, just watch her. Keep an eye on her. Yeah, you know. uh, he's probably got the kids singing a lament, some you know, some mournful, sad song. Um, but uh, no, we, we, we don't gloat. But I, 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 we know the feeling of your team losing. So we, I said, Caleb, welcome to the pain. <laughs> anyway, we move on uh, beyond rugby. Or shall we? Maybe we, maybe we should stay there a little longer. And too, we we want to shift sports, motorbikes. No, no. Let's do culture and art. Let's do deep theology, like Michael, reading Jewish. Look, I'll be honest. Where is Michael? I just love that communion word. I love his heart. Love his intellect. And Michael, I confess, I have not been able to get through the book that you gave me a couple of Christmases ago. <laughs> He gave me a, a deep book and it's, it's still there somewhere on my list of stuff. I'm, I'll, I'll attend to it. It's very good, very deep. <laughs> um, so praise him. Look, I, I am really uh, quite uh, stirred. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you're verse, first time here, we want to give you a coffee and, and uh, you know, meet and mingle in the courtyard. And thanks again, Frosty, making that lawn look great. It's fantastic gearing up for Christmas. So we have this great time of fellowship uh, afterwards. I'm very stirred. I've spent uh, quite a bit of time uh, this week praying, seeking God, reading the Bible, reading about revivals in history, changing nations. So I'm pretty pumped. Uh, and there's a lot of things I could talk about, about God's plans for your life, for our church, for our community, all the wonderful things he wants to do, about the power we have in prayer uh, the necessity for God's people to rise up and pray and press in for revival, for an awakening in our nation. There's a great gathering going on in Melbourne for that purposes this weekend. Uh, and we're going to see God do more and more in our lives and our ministries here and our church and our community in healings and miracles and salvation and changed lives. We've seen some great stuff. We've been going next year, we'll celebrate 25 years as a church, just one church. And so many others like us all contending for some great things to happen. We're going to see more and more of that. And yet, the Lord's led me to share on a passage from Scripture that talks, it brings it right down to the personal life of the believer. Uh, just what is going on in our attitudes and our behaviour as individual followers of Jesus. And, um, and that's because... The platform for any revival is always the hearts of Christian people. That uh, what is going on inside God's people and inside his church 
is the foundation and the beginning of what then goes on outside in the community. And, uh, you know, we're called to grow both with our fruit in the Holy Spirit and with our gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. So we, we don't have one without the other. We're not a holiness group that circles the wagons and says, well, all we're going to do is just work on our little holy huddle character growth. Uh, but neither do we just go out working flat out for God without any attention to what he wants to do on the inside. And so we minister to people, we stretch out with faith and prayers, bold, big, brave prayers and ministry and we witness and we, and, and we do the work of the ministry. But at the same time, we address the issues of the heart and our personal lifestyle and walk with God. Because as you probably know, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else because out of your heart flow the issues of life. And so... The stuff of life isn't just going on out there. It's often a result of what's going on in here. And so I want to look at a passage uh, in Colossians chapter 3. And, and I want to note one particular little part of life that is a big one uh, that springs out of this passage. Colossians 3, there it is, from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read uh, just those three verses, but they're very deep and rich. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves, as Michael was talking about, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Now, you know, the Bible's full of facts about life. The Bible is full of promises from God that will bless you. But it's also full of instruction from God that we're called to follow. And this is obviously in the latter category of those three basic broad categories and there's a lot here we're challenged to behave in a certain way if we attend to this but remember it's not all about our effort and we're told to do something it always starts you know fulfilling God's calling and God's commandments always begins with his grace with us receiving uh, his love his forgiveness his life his blessing and then his empowerment so that then in empowers us then to live right, to, to become more like Jesus and, and then to impact the lives of other people with the qualities that God wants to build in us, with the calling that he has for us. Um, in, in fact, listen to this passage again. I'm going to read from the Passion Version and see how it paraphrases that reference at the beginning of that passage about holy living. Passion uh, says, You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves with virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Notice that? That's where we start. Just getting right with God and realising he loves us. You are dearly and always loved by God. So as a result, then get the virtues of God flowing. And then he goes on, be merciful as you endeavour to understand others, be compassionate 
showing kindness towards all, be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. That's cool, isn't it? Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. So again, notice everything we have to do for God starts with what we receive from Him. It's not like, oh, oh, I've got to obey and I've got to work harder and I've got to strive to find favour with God. No, no, we're saved by grace, yeah? And through faith alone, we just discover our life in Christ. But then as we go on in God, there is this calling to be sanctified, become more like Jesus, to live right and to attend to the issues of the heart. And when you read here, there's things that we're called to be compassionate, kind, merciful, humble, patient, peaceful, thankful, be loving. Oh, and notice forgiving. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, this might not seem so exciting. Like I said, I was pumped and full of a whole bunch of stuff, but I felt God just saying, this is a foundation. It's a powerful principle for healthy habits of living. And to be honest, it's so important that if you don't get this one right, you'll miss the will of God for your life because God needs to build some truths and some patterns of thinking and behaviour in our lives for his will to be done. And tragically, some Christians never see the fulfilment of God's calling and God's will and God's blessing on their life because they don't attend to issues of the heart on the inside. They've just got a simple faith for salvation and then they just sort of kind of block their ears to the whisper of the Holy Spirit and off they go with a pretty selfish, worldly attitude to life. And God's so gracious, you can keep your ticket to heaven, but it's not going to be all that God calls us to. And that's not us. And so I want to have a look at this issue of forgiveness. I'm sure you'll all agree it's important to forgive. But it's easier said than done. And, uh, and under the nice, shiny veneer of Christian faith <laughs> can, can lurk some dark hurts that we need to deal with. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's very easy to hold on to a hurt, to, to, to get offended, to let resentment or even bitterness toward someone or something that happened. It can just build up on the inside and, and that's when we're not guarding our heart properly. And, and it's easy for it to happen for several reasons. Firstly, because there's so many opportunities. <laughs> there's, you know, we all have occasion to get hurt by someone. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just keep breathing and something will happen where, you know, you're going to think, I should remember, I better get that podcast and look about how to forgive because it's only a matter of time. Uh, The more you interact with people, the more chances you're going to have of people letting you down and upsetting you. And even if they don't mean to. In fact, I can remember in the early days in our church movement, when I first went to what was Christian City Church, I heard Pastor Phil Pringle talk about this quite a lot. And... uh, and I remember thinking, really? What's going on? You know, and he would say, oh, I pray every day. I forgive everyone, everything they've ever done to me. You heard Phil say that? I, if you've been in his church, I heard him say that so many times. And I thought, wow, you know, you've got some, what's going on? Enemies or, you know, you're doing something wrong or are they doing something wrong? Or something? Why are you? Well, I was just single and young and not in any position of leadership and, 
and didn't really know what was going on. But fast forward 30 plus years, I know exactly what he's referring to because the more you live for God, the more you stand up for him, the more you lead, the more the devil doesn't like it. He hates it. He hates you. He'll stir things up and he wants to get people divided and sometimes antagonistic and people all say stuff that can be very hurtful. And uh, the illustrations that I've got in this message are a little limited because, you know, you don't want to talk about, I'm going to tell you the time that this guy did this, this, you know, and talk about. But I'm sure you've got scenarios in your own life where you've had, you know, opportunities to forgive. Even if you're not in a public position or a leadership role, you know, you can get hurt by people, people that you don't even know people that you hardly know, people that you know really well sometimes are the ones that hurt the most because they're close to your heart. And um, that's why marriage is a great training ground for forgiveness. So I'm told. Um, (laughs) I mean, we just have just, you know, 31 years of bliss. I can't even remember, uh, you know, the time there was any conflict whatsoever. We're pastors, of course. We're perfect. What can I say? But... um, Oh, well, all right, you know. No, no, of course, we, we do marriage seminars and teaching and stuff from personal experience. And, uh, and, and it's, it's good for us, you know. And in fact, some, but, but, you know, part of the challenges of getting on with someone is learning to forgive. And some people do find it hard. In fact, some husbands, some wives, they've got photographic memories when it comes to holding a grudge. You know, they can put the precise date, place, time to something that happened oh, years ago and they can bring it back up. In fact, tragically, I counselled a couple once who uh, they, they had marriage issues and nothing was insurmountable. It wasn't like this terrible thing that had happened or there was nothing beyond repair. But the, the biggest red flag that kept coming up was the wife couldn't let this thing go. She kept bringing up something that the husband had done and it wasn't adultery, you know, it, it was just involved in disciplining one of their kids and he had gone overboard beyond what she thought he should have done. And from his cultural background, it was completely acceptable, but they had different cultural backgrounds and she just found it hard and kept bringing it up and she just wouldn't let it go. It had happened like 10 years earlier and trying to move forward, she wouldn't forgive him. And, and it, was, it was tragic because from that place, bitterness set into her heart and, uh, and the marriage just couldn't survive. And so, you know, simply because of her unwillingness to forgive and, and they ended up splitting up. So there's plenty of opportunities all around us uh, to, to, to learn to forgive. And then, and then there's another reason. Obviously, it's, it's, it's easier to hold on sometimes to the hurt than to work through the process of forgiveness. And there's something in us that is, it's, it sort of is appealing to be hurt. There's an attraction. It's sort of like this weird, uh, I don't know, desire for justice, that if, if I hold on to that hurt, then I'm somehow proving that that was wrong. Because maybe someone really did do something wrong. And if I forgive them, it's like, well, I, no one will know. That's wrong. I need it. I, in fact, it's my job now to tell as many people as possible what went wrong. That's justice. And of course, that just doesn't work. It's destructive when we go down that track. It, it's destructive to the relationship with the person that hurts you because you're giving up any chance for there to be a reconciliation. 
it's destructive to the people that you're going around telling because they're now feeling the worst about that person rather than the best and that's just bringing them down with a whole bunch of negativity. And more than anything, it's worse for you. If you're regurgitating the pain and rehashing the whole scenario and bringing it up all the time, you are just hurting on the inside more than is necessary and it's preventing you from moving forward. What do they say? Um, Holding an offence to someone else is like drinking poison yourself but thinking they're going to die. It's just, it it doesn't make sense. But there's something that's appealing in there. Um, And then, of course, the third reason about unforgiveness being so easy for it to happen in our lives is that it's, it's prevalent in our society to be harbouring hurt, to take the role of the victim. In Western culture today, individual rights are encouraged to the extreme, uh, personal privileges over responsibilities and community obligations, more so than perhaps in the past. And so riding on the back of that is this ease to which someone can then get very upset when things don't go their way, when you disagree with my worldview. And then I can do the classic thing by just saying, I'm offended. And and that sort of like shuts the argument down. You know, there's a terrible drama going on. I heard a comedian talk about this. He said, people say, I'm offended. And he he has a real go at it because he goes, well, so what? Nothing's happened. You know, and people get all dramatic about it. He goes, it's not as if you say, I was offended yesterday and I went to sleep and I woke up this morning and I had leprosy. You know, as if like it's, it's sort of some real change. You know, it's just an issue of the heart and sometimes we make the issue a bigger thing than it really is just because this appeal of being a victim and if I'm a victim then I'm absolved of responsibility to, to be very productive in life. I can, I can really just say, oh, I could have done that but... you." Through what I've been through, yeah, it's not my fault that I'm not contributing. Or I'm not. It's just that's my role in life. Of course, there are some very real hurts. So it's not just that, you know, people make up stuff to be offended about. And we can really get deeply and genuinely hurt and and pained on the inside. But God calls us. God leads us to a higher way of living, to a more mature place of dealing with the pain, with the issues, to restoring and rebuilding relationships. And that's why we look to him. We find a place of grace. And of course, we find that, uh, look at verse 13 in that passage, we find that we can forgive people when we get a revelation of how much we've been forgiven. And I think that's the very first starting place. If you need to, if not now, but at some point, like I said, we'll all have to do this at some point as part of a good, clean, spirited living in Christ. Uh, Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So that's something to remember, isn't it? Um, The basis for all Christian forgiveness is always forgive because you've been forgiven. We've all sinned. We've all, you know, been freely forgiven for that sin. And... uh, and then Jesus says, well, freely you've received, freely give. Yeah. So it's kind of arrogant when we talk about and receive our forgiveness from God but are unwilling to you know, go and share it with others. But we can because we can, the same grace, the same mercy that extends to us is available for us to then hold on to and share with others. And that can really make the world a better place. That can really release people, bless people and 
yourself, like I said. And, you know, the, the other real deal here is that Jesus has commanded us to forgive. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just like a, a nice option. Um, you know, we probably all know the Lord's Prayer. In fact, you didn't even, I, I didn't go to church as a kid at all, ever, literally. Uh, never went to Sunday school. Never read the Bible. And yet, in a public school back in the day, going back a bit now, but, um, and maybe, you know, they don't do this now. I don't think they do. But in public school, in, in sixth class, our teacher used to have us recite the Lord's Prayer every morning. Isn't that amazing? And so <laughs> I didn't really know what it meant, but it was, I, you didn't mess with my sixth grade teacher. She was, she was like 100. She was really old and, uh, and tough. And, and, uh, but really good. We kind of respect it. You know those teachers, you know, there's the cool ones that are trying to be too cool. So you just, every, every teacher's tried to be that teacher, right? We all started out going, I'm going to be like, in my era, it was even before my time, Sydney Pointier to serve with love. I'm going to be the cool guy. Yeah, and you go in there, 10 minutes later, you think, this is not working. I've lost them. They, their kids are like, yeah, whatever. Woo! You think, right, forget that. So then I'm going to be Mr. Nasty and get some respect. And then hopefully, as teachers here, you've got a balance and you've got respect and a bit of fun going on as well. Um, so where am I? Teaching. Um, the Lord's Prayer. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we learned the Lord's Prayer. And I could tell you a story about my sixth grade teacher, but we haven't got time. But she was, yeah, tough but fair. Um, you know, we're told in that... Prayer. Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Oh, yeah, think about that. Yeah. And then it says, and lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And so, you know, that's one of the temptations, to be tempted not to forgive. And, of course, when you read on, some manuscripts will say, at the end of, if you're reading Matthew chapter 6, it'll say, um, uh, for yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then the very next verse, it's not actually part of the Lord's Prayer, but in Matthew 6, verse 14, the very next verse, Jesus says, what does he say? If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. They're strong words. That's coming straight from the Lord. So, you know, some people wonder why there seems to be a barrier between them and God or why their prayers don't seem to be answered, but... Maybe it's right there. It's just unforgiveness in their heart. Pastor Maldonado, no, Tim, not the Formula One car driver. I, I, I heard about this guy. He's an apostle and a pastor uh, and he wrote a great book and someone recommended the book. They said, oh, read this book, Breakthrough Prayer by Pastor Maldonado. I said, oh, okay. And they go, hey, hang on, I'll spell the name for you. I said, no, it's all right. Because I don't know if you followed Formula One. There was a Formula One car driver whose first name's Pastor. His second name's Maldonado. I said, it's all right, I'll remember the name. They go, oh, okay. I thought, yeah, what a, what a crazy name. Pastor Maldonado. So it's not the Formula One car driver, but cool name for a preacher if you're a Formula One fan. Um, and uh, I can tell most of you aren't, but anyway. Uh, anyway, a preacher wrote this. Before we go into the presence of the Lord, we must make sure we are in harmony with our brothers and sisters. If in our heart there is resentment, unforgiveness and offences against other people, we must forgive them, otherwise God won't listen to our prayers. Now, they're strong words too, but of course, he's basing that on the strong words that the Lord just gave us 
in that passage. So if you value having a close relationship with the Lord, and I hope you do, <laughs> then you've got to learn to forgive. Amen? And so it's pretty clear. And, and note, note this. You know, there may not always be a reconciliation of that relationship with that person just because you forgive. Because if someone's wronged you and they don't want to talk about it or deal with it or repent from it, then that may never be the same between you. But you can still hold out your forgiveness to them for your own sake because your heart is then free from being bound up and with bitterness and pain over something that you're best left to leave behind. And then it's up to the other person. You know, this whole area was an issue back in the first century, right in the early church. Paul wrote to the Corinthians about it. And I want you to see how they were tempted to hold on to a hurt and not forgive. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's have a look at this uh, in verse 5. Paul's writing about a guy who has been uh, dealt with by the church in some way. The guy did something wrong. We don't know what it is. And now he's repented, right? And the guy is wanting to come back into fellowship with the church. And Paul says, I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you oppressed him. Sorry, most of you opposed him. Just need another bigger font size next week. It'll be size 4 million. Uh, most of you opposed him. And then you'll have to watch me just flick every letter, you know. We're just down to four. I've got four words per page at the moment, but it's, you know, it's, we're getting there. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So as I said, this guy had sinned against the church in some way. We don't know the details, but he had faced some discipline, which doesn't get a lot of airplay these days, but it is an issue that a church is, you know, a holy body uh, were called to be the bride of Christ and, uh, and to have standards. So if someone's blatantly sinning and they're involved in ministry, it can't just be ignored. It's got to be dealt with. Of course, the church doors are open to everyone. But if you're in a position of ministry serving God, then there are standards. And, uh, you know, for example, if we had, uh, you know, a, a businessman on our board doing, you know, illegal shonky dealings, then he's going to have to step down off the board, no matter how good his business now might be. Or a preacher or a, a public worship leader or someone, if they're found you know, morally failing, uh, then they need to be put out of that calling or at least step aside, be reconciled. You know. And so uh, there's, there's an area here, this guy has been uh, dealt with, disciplined in some way. We, you know, maybe he was rebuked publicly. Maybe he was excommunicated, put out of fellowship for the church, which, of course, back then meant something because there wasn't another church to go to down the road. There was just one church in East Town. So he's like, oh, I can't worship. And they're like, well, that's right. But now Paul's saying, okay, it's all about love, you know, even tough love, but now he's repented. So he's warning them now about unforgiveness 
about holding onto that hurt and preventing the grace and the love that God wants to flow through to that guy. And of course, this is the danger for any Christian or any church that you can get religious and legalistic about your standards so that you keep people away rather than invite them in. And, uh, you know, we want to be led by God's grace that has always got those doors open. Even if someone's broken the rules, there's always a pathway back because heart, God's heart is always open. Yeah, His ways are merciful. He's full of grace. He's, he's slow to anger, abounding with love, uh, willing to forgive anyone who repents. We want to reflect those values. So Paul calls them to forgive. And notice verse 11. He says, let's all forgive so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Notice that one of the devil's schemes is to prevent God's people to forgive. And I've got to say, it's a bit sad, but I've seen some people who have been caught up by one of those schemes and they can't see it because, like I said, we feel all justified. Oh, but you don't understand this issue. That what happened? It doesn't matter what the issue is. You, you, you've been caught out by the devil. You've been called to forgive. No, no, you don't understand. This was so painful. It doesn't matter what it is. The principle and the calling is to let it go, to forgive and to not let the devil win because he is out to win. It's one of his schemes. He loves to create division, disharmony, discord, disunity, dis whatever between people, between, especially God's people because we've got a calling to build the kingdom and the kingdom of darkness is trying to hold it back. And he knows how powerful it is when God's people get on, when there's unity. You know, the Scriptures talk about, uh, you know, one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And mathematicians will tell you about exponential growth and numbers and all that stuff and how there's power in not just addition, but multiplication in relationships and unity of living with the same values and serving God together. And so this is important. It's, like I said, it can seem like just a tiny little... Thing, but it, and it, it's a part of the puzzle and we need to guard against unforgiveness to not give the enemy that, that room in your heart to build barriers and bitterness towards others. Amen? And so come on, let's let the love of God flow through us to others, to, to everyone, even those who have hurt you because, you know, Jesus says to pray for those who have hurt you or cursed you or persecuted you, to bless them. <laughs> There's a challenge because, you know, it's literally impossible to hate someone if you're praying for them. You pray for someone before God with an open heart every day for a month, there's no way you'll be able to hold a grudge. You'll have let it go and you'll be better for it. And if you see them, there'll be no problem talking and maybe the restoration of the relationship could occur. The fact is God will allow people to hurt you in order for him to help you. <laughs> it's painful, but it's good because he wants us to become more like Jesus. And the best in us can only ever be brought out by the worst done to us. <laughs> That's unfortunate, but true. And so let's keep our hearts clean yeah, from unforgiveness and full of God's grace and love. Amen. Praise him. Come on, let's pray. You know, uh, I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself, stand up, come out or anything. But just as we're seated, if, you, uh, if that resonates with you, if you've got someone or something right now that has been painful, I know there are situations 
that we go through, and I know some of the situations that some people here have been through where it is difficult. And uh, if you need the Lord's help, I want to pray for you right now. Maybe just put your hand on your heart and ask for God to help you because we can't do all that we are called to do without his help, without his love. And in this area of this issue of our heart to love people cleanly, to live with that fresh, buoyant spirit that God calls us to, we need his help, to love others, to forgive others. And let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for anyone who's in pain. This has maybe brought up something that was forgotten, but maybe not completely forgiven. Maybe it's been just swept under the carpet. But Lord, we want to deal with it. And I pray for anyone right now who has got a, an issue, a pain, a person in the past, or even maybe it's prevalent right now, that has brought pain. Not just a silly offence that we know we should dismiss, but something real that just doesn't go away, keeps coming back. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, power of God, the healing power of God, through the Spirit of God, bringing healing, setting them free. I bind every devil in the name of Jesus. I speak against every scheme of the enemy to try and bring us down to help us to, to prevent us from living right with God. Speak against that and pray the light of God to shine, the love of God to shine into our hearts and through every heart here today so that we can live for the Lord, shine his light and love. Grace, mercy, forgiveness when it's needed. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.